Welcome to the Epic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Walker. Each week, I get to talk to amazing women about their epic adventures in motherhood. I'm so glad you joined us. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the Epic Mom Podcast as much as I'm enjoying making the episodes. Each woman that I have interviewed has been so inspiring to me, and I hope she has been to you. If you know of an epic mom that you'd like to see on the show, drop me a line and give me her contact information or ask her to reach out to me. I would love to meet more epic moms. You can reach me at messaging through the podcast or at walker.carol at gmail.com. Make it an epic day. I am so excited about my conversation with Alicia Mayfield today. I can't wait for you to listen. We talk about having kids close together in age and going back to school, becoming a full-time working parent and the transition between having young kids to parenting young adult kids and and potting training, and everything in between. It is a great conversation. So without further ado, here's Alicia Mayfield. Welcome to the Epic Mom Podcast. Today, my guest is Alicia Mayfield. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Hey, thanks. I'm excited to be here. I'm super happy to have you here. Alicia, we've known each other for like, I don't know, I guess about 15 years. You're one of the first people I met when I moved to Alabama. Yes, yes. Yeah. So why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself. Tell us about your family. Okay. Um, Like Carol said, my name is Alicia Mayfield. Uh, My husband, Nate, and I have been married for 21 years. Um, We have four children. They are 20, 18, um, 14, and 12. I almost forgot their ages. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, And they're actually closer in age than that. My older two are 15 months apart and my younger two are 20 months apart. And so I, we like to joke and say that we have two generations of, of children. Um, the older two are girls and then we have a son and a daughter and they just keep us busy and keep us on our toes all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun stage of life with all the teenagers. Definitely. Well, yeah, fun's a good way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there are so many there are so many places we could start, but uh, let's begin with let's begin at the beginning. So you okay? Did you always want to be a mom? I did. I always wanted to be a mom. Um, I forgot to mention I'm a school teacher too. So yes, that's yes. what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be a mom, and I wanted to be a school teacher. Oh, you wanted to be a school teacher from the beginning. I did. Okay. I did. So. Very cool. All right, because that's been kind of a journey on its own, right? It has. Um. I was married young. I was 19 and my husband was 22. And uh, we did not have kind of the the typical newlywed life when you're that young. My husband had a a steady, well-paying job. So we, I'd gone to two years of college and then we decided to stop and have kids. And so I had my four children and then ended up going back and finishing my degree. I graduated when my youngest was in first grade. So, so it was an adventure for sure. (laughs) Man, time flies. If I feel like that was just so recent, but I guess, I mean, first grade, cause how, cause what grade is she in now? 
she will be going into seventh grade. Seventh grade. So, so have you been teaching yeah. for the last six years? Um, I just finished my fifth year. Fifth year. Okay. Yep. Okay. So let's, okay. Gosh, where to begin? All right. I want to first talk about, I, I want to first talk about how you decided to go back to school and how you okay. juggled all of that with, you had four children and the youngest being in first grade. That's still a very small, needy age. So yes. like, how did you juggle all of that? How did that go for you? Um, well, to be honest with you, that was always, it was always my plan to go back to school after our youngest child was in kindergarten. Um, and we were actually, it was, I'm trying to think even what year. My second child was in second grade and she had kind of a struggle year that year. Um, had a fabulous teacher though and we were finishing up the school year and the teacher came to our home just for a kind of close out the year conference and I was telling her that I always wanted to be a teacher but I at that point in my life I was kind of thinking oh I don't know if I can be a good teacher and a good mom at the same time and so I was actually thinking about going to nursing school once um, our youngest was in kindergarten and she told me about a local university that had most of their teaching program online. And it was, she said that, and it just felt like the right thing to do. It was kind of a weird experience, you know, just sitting there having this casual conversation, not even really talking about, I mean, I was talking to her about how I wanted to go to school, but that was something in my mind that was, you know, three, four years off. And she just told me about her daughter doing this online teaching program, and it just felt right. Um, and so she left, and that evening, I, over dinner, I was talking to my husband and told him about it, and he said the same thing. He goes, that's what you're supposed to do. And oh, so, that's so cool. We just, yeah, we just kind of took it and, and ran. Um, and so that would have been in May, and in August, I started um, I had a year at our local community college just to get some prerequisites done that I hadn't done previously. And I went just part-time. Um, most of my classes, like I said, were online or they were a hybrid. And so I was able to do it mostly while the kids napped. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we just, when they're napping or in school, then you were working, 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 getting yep. a degree. Yep. Very cool. That How long it. did it take you? Um, so I was a year at the community college and then I would took three years to go, um, do my, my final two years at the university once I transferred there. So I went part-time until my youngest was in kindergarten, um, and then, and kind of timed it out. So I would be student teaching around that time as well. So. Very cool. And what was the best part of that experience? Um, you know what, really the, the sense of accomplishment that walking across the stage, planning on walking across the stage, I was just going to get the paper mailed to me and, you know, be fine with it. But my mom, it was a big deal to her. So she came down and my sisters were here. And so I, I did participate in the graduation ceremony and afterwards, um, I'm going to get, I'm getting emotional, <laughs> but afterwards I just walked up to my husband and, you know, just started crying and gave him a hug. And I was like, you know what? We did it. We did it. We did something hard and 
you know, here we are. Definitely. <laughs> Little did I know that actually going to work was going to be the harder. Is that was that the harder part? <laughs> but still, definitely a team effort for. Oh. Yeah. So, what was the hardest part of doing it? Of of going to yeah. school. Um, you know what? Just. <laughs> You know, to be honest with you, I am, I like to dabble in creative things. I'm like a tad artistic. I'm not like a trained artist or anything like that, but I do enjoy doing creative things. Um, And I kind of lost that for a little bit. Um, Yeah, I just kind of trade that with your time for studying, yeah? Right, right. And I mourned the time of that, um, the the time that I had to do that. And, and that was probably the hardest thing. Um, I will say that I went to a church retreat one time and there was a lady there that had just a small little journal that she would do like little sketches or little paintings in. And, you know, it was a small, like, five-by-five five journal. And so I watched her, and that started kind of get, getting my wheels turning, that it was – previous to that, I had been working on photography, and that is very time-consuming. And I realized, you know what, it's, it's not the photography that I'm missing, it's the creative outlet. And so I actually, for my birthday that year, got myself a little – journal that I just take and when I have time I can do a little sketch and if I finish it that's great and if not it's closed up in a book and nobody sees it and it wasn't like this stress oh I love that Um, yeah so it it was it's been a blessing you just figured out a way to keep doing the creative passion that you have right in in the little snippets of time and energy that you had that's really smart right yeah that's really smart right and, and I think you're I think you're right if you identify that it wasn't the photography it was was the create the creation the creativity part of it mm-hmm. and that can take form in mm-hmm. lots of different ways and then we can apply that into our lives in in easier ways if if the main passion of the photography can't happen right then right that was smart right. and that was a huge lesson huge lesson for me and something that's kind of fueled me, you know, and just kept me going in, in the year since. Because you do have to have a little bit of something that is that is yours, that can be your retreat. Yes. You know, I and your place to heal. I agree. You've got to so. have a place that you can recharge and a thing that, you, that feeds your soul. Because as the mom, you are output so much of the time that you need to make sure you've exactly. got some input there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so then you said that the harder thing, though, was go- was starting work. Why was that so hard? Yes. <laughs> um, the time demands were definitely a, a lot different. And, you know, even when I was going to school, I could, even though I had demands on my time and I had things I had to get done, I still had a lot of flexibility as to when I fit that into my day. You know, if... I had a sick child and had to take them to the doctor or, you know, whatever it was, I could carve out little pockets of time to, to do right. that. Once I went to work though, um, I, I couldn't carve out those pockets of time. You know, yeah. I, I was giving my time to, to the school and um, it was a whole lot less flexible. <laughs> yeah. And, that's and, an adjustment. and I'll tell you, yeah. And, being a stay-at-home mom, 
you know, for all of those years, I was the one who went to the doctor's appointments and took care of my sick babies and, and, and did all of that stuff. Um, but once I started working, my husband's job was actually the more flexible of the two. And so he actually started doing some of that stuff. And it was really hard for me to, to let go and to be okay with the fact that our our marriage had turned into a teamwork on that aspect as well. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, it totally does. Because then it's just a sharing of a role that you've always, always had. And I would think right. there would be some... For me, I would feel like there might be some identity crisis in there, you know, like, yes, they don't. And definite. Yeah. Yeah. Definite identity crisis and, and guilt. There was oh, yeah. Guilt in that just because probably going along with that identity crisis that this is who I always was. And now, you know, yeah, but I can't do that. For but my you babies. can still be that <laughs> caretaker, mother, loving person in their nurturer. Um, and mm-hmm. dad can still take him to the doctor. So, yep. but it is a, it is kind of a paradigm shift and one that you've got to look at from the outside and go, okay, it's still okay. I'm still their mom. That's still my identity, right. but I also do this. And because of time, then dad can do these items. And that's, did you find that that was a blessing to him and his relationship with the kids? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and he's, to be honest with you, I, I always joke and told him I was going to be the kid mom and he was going to be the teenage dad. Um, he shines in that, that area. So it's, it's been a, a treat that he's been able to have more time with them doing those things as well. You know, and he, he does a good job of taking adv- advantage of car rides and different things. Yeah. Just talk to him and visit with them. So. Cause that's key, right? You gotta, you gotta take the time yeah. to talk if you want the relationship. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. So let's go back to, you have two babies that are 15 months apart. Yes. <laughs> so how did, what did you do to survive that? You're not the only person in the world that's had babies that close together or twins even. And, right. and yet that is, that's a huge challenge and you were very young. So what did that look like for you? You know what? I am the oldest of eight children and my sister and I are 10 and a half months apart. So the first thing I oh did, my goodness, I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> so the first thing that I did when I found out, I went to my mom and I just said, mom, how, how did you do it? And, um, I will say we tell our second daughter, Emma, we tell her all the time that she was our happy surprise because I wouldn't have planned it that way, but it, uh, definitely has worked out the way it it should have worked out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just went to my mom and I said, how, you know, how did you do it? How did you, what, how did you get happy about it? Not that I, just the initial yeah. shock was, was kind of a heartbreaking thing. Like I felt like my oldest had just started sleeping through the night and I just started feeling kind of like a normal person again. And I was like, this oh, can be I pretty just, overwhelming to see. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if I can do this again. Um, And she kind of, she told me, you know what, you just do it one day at a time. And she said, once the youngest starts sitting up, she goes, they, you become, or they become best friends and they start playing with each other. And she said, it'll be all right. (laughs) And so that's, yeah, just kind of what I did. Took it one day at a time and um, enjoyed the, the trip for what it was. Um, 
it was a good thing for my husband and I, because I think he, and from what I've heard when I talk to other people, husbands kind of feel lost with that first child because. Yeah. So they, much because attention. so much of your attention is on the baby. It's on the baby. That's right. They have to share. Yeah. Yes. Which isn't always an easy thing. So having Emma, our second gave Nate time and reason to, um, really spend time with Carden and get to know our oldest daughter. So it, it was a good thing for our marriage in a lot of ways and, and just made us feel like a, a family. Um, there is a reason that there's a gap between her and the next one though. <laughs> I don't know that I could have just, you know, kept having my kids that close together, but yeah, my thought was maybe about three years and they, they're about five years apart. So there, there was a little, a few other little things that happened in the middle, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, they just became friends and it just was what our life was, was babies and then having babies. Yeah. Yeah. I think if if you can embrace, embrace the experience, it changes your entire perspective and then you can just enjoy it in the moment rather than wish it away. And as we, as we talked before we started recording, um, you can do anything for a couple of months or, you know, you can set a time and be like, okay, I'm going to be, have this tiny baby and be pregnant, but it's only going to be for nine months. And then after that, It'll only be for a few months that they before they can start interacting and having fun together, which takes some of the entertainment role off of the mom. Right? Definitely, definitely. Love it when the kids play together. <laughs> Love that part. <laughs> I tell people all the time when they're like, "Oh, I think I'm just going to have one child." You know, it different families, it, different things are right for different families. So I'm not saying anything, you know, about people's choices but having that second child a lot of times does you you shift the role from entertainer some of the times from yourself which is a blessing yes (laughs) so you can load the dishwasher and do the laundry and do all that just five minutes you can leave the room for five minutes (laughs) yeah so then so then five years later we Mm -hmm. have a boy and then your last is close together with your third right yes yes so our son Nathan is 20 months older than our daughter Kennedy so was that a big difference between the 15 month gap um yes it was actually A, a 15 month old and and Carton tended to she was a mama's girl and so she didn't walk super fast and I mean she had just barely started walking by the time I had my second baby so she was still very much a baby, a baby. Mm-hmm. especially in my mind um Nathan when we had when we had Kennedy he he was more of a toddler and so yeah I think I think there's a difference between yeah. A one-year-old and an 18-month-old even. You know, there's a lot of development that happens. So um, it was easier. And you know what? I I didn't potty train Nathan. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you should potty train so you don't have two people, two babies in diapers. And by that time, I had learned it was a lot easier to change a diaper than it was to clean up <laughs> clean up the underwear. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's been one of the biggest things in my journey as a mother is to realize that um, you you just got to do what's right for you and, and not hold yourself to these standards or what other people think 
yeah. should happen or needs to happen because there can be a lot of stress and anxiety that comes from that. And you know what? And unnecessary. Exactly. Completely unnecessary. And it was okay that he was not potty trained until he was three. And to be totally honest with okay. you, it made the potty training a whole lot easier. Oh, than yeah. When I was you know, younger and had these two babies and I'm trying to potty train them at like between 18 months and two years, you know, it, yeah, it yeah. just wasn't worth it for me. So. There's, I had a similar, similar experience. Like when my oldest Jacob, so he is three years older than our next baby. And I was very, very ill when I was pregnant with our second child. And he, I had, I had, I had entertained the idea of toilet training him, but then I was pregnant and I was super sick. And it's so, of course it just didn't happen. I couldn't do it. And it ended up being um, fantastic that I didn't um, Mm -hmm. because he was able to go to my friends and neighbors homes and spend the day. And the mom didn't have to worry about making sure he made it to the toilet and changing a diaper was way easier for them. And it just made it just easier. And he didn't have that stress of worrying about, you know, being in people's homes and wondering where the bathroom was. And then when it was, once the baby came and I felt better then it just was pretty much overnight, he was toilet trained. We never worried about it again because he was ready. Exactly. And you know what, that's my son was the easiest. He was the oldest, but he was the easiest. And I think it was the same thing. He was just ready. And yeah, I did, we didn't have an accident. I don't think once he decided it was time uh, and I kind of showed him and, and we, yeah. yeah, it was fabulous. <laughs> I really, you know, and so. you know, to that, to the speaking to that point, I really think, cause there is a lot of um, encouragement out there and books and, and expert ideas that you need to toilet train your child before they're two and such. And I just think you just toilet train them when they are ready because ultimately yeah they have all the power in this situation and it cannot be a power struggle and it cannot be a frustrating situation. As soon as it becomes frustrating, you've lost and, Mm -hmm. and you've lost in a big way because the messes are not Kool-Aid. It's a different kind of mess. That's not fun. (laughs) No. So I was, um, when I was pregnant with my fourth daughter, uh, my fourth child and I thought, okay, baby number three is ready to be toilet trained. And so we tried, we, we did, we gave it an honest try for several days. And I called my mom and I said, it's not working. And I, I kid you not, the kid had the biggest bladder in the world. So there was no opportunity to practice. Mm-hmm. And, and so then it just took a long time and she wasn't quite old enough to really understand it because she was frankly not ready, but I didn't know she wasn't ready. I just figured she was a chronolo- chronological age. We should do it. Right. So I called my mom. I said, is it going to scar her for life if I take her out of underpants and put a diaper back on? And she said, it will scar her worse if her mother loses her mind. And I <laughs> said, oh, well, there, done. Yep. <laughs> Sent my husband to the store for more diapers. And we worried about it after the baby came. Um, but so I, think, so true. I think you're right that every family and the dynamic between mother and child and the maturity of child, like all of those play into these, these milestones and it's okay for us to give the child a break till they're ready and give ourselves some grace and give each other some grace in terms of encouraging and be like, yeah, you don't have to be toilet trained by the time you're two. It is okay. Right. Right. Well, and I think the personality of the child has a lot to do with it too. You know, my, my second is quite similar to your third in a lot of personality ways. And I, 
she actually started to want to sit on the toilet because she saw her older sister doing it. So I was, you know, I was like, oh, there, that's our sign. Here we go. And the first day went great. And the second day, I remember holding her on the toilet and she's arching her back, screaming and kicking. And I was just like, what? What am I doing now? Yeah, where I have was, I gone wrong? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was a young 23-year-old and didn't take that as a clue. Oh, we shouldn't be potty training right now. You know, I continued. But looking back on that, I was just like, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't worth it. <laughs> and right. my mom always says, you know what? They won't go to potty or they won't go to kindergarten, you know, still doing this. Exactly. And they won't go yeah. to college, still doing this. It's okay. You know, you don't have to hold yourself to these standards of what you see other people doing or what you perceive other people doing even. Right. Well, and, and every child is different. My second oldest, she was toilet trained well before she turned two, but it was all mm-hmm. her idea. Yeah. After seeing how easy it was to toilet train a three-year-old, I was pretty committed to making him wait. Right? <laughs> I was like, let's just, let's just give it a little more time. But she super wanted to. And, she, and so then yeah. That's part of why I tried it with the third, because I'm like, oh, well, it was easy with Catherine. It surely will be easy with this one. But, you know, different personalities. And you can't hold each child to the same standard as their sibling. There's a life lesson, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Good Good wisdom and counsel from your mom, the mother of eight kids. Like, yes. <laughs> right? Like, she knows. They're not. Just give it some time and be patient. Yeah. Just be patient. Yeah. So, how did it go with your family dynamic and you are starting back to work and dad is taking over some of the roles and like, was everybody hundred percent behind you or was it difficult on the kids too? Um, you know what? I think it was, I think it was difficult on the kids. There were some definite changes in life that had to happen. Um, the year that I started teaching my oldest two were in middle school and, um, I always, I always have tried to live by um, some advice that I got or that I heard, read somewhere, but the advice was to be at the crossroads. And so it was important for me that my children weren't home by themselves for long periods of time after yeah. school. And so luckily, um, when, when I was looking for a job, we, one of my requirements, just one of my personal requirements that I was that I was going to teach in the school district that my children attend, um, because I wanted, I, I felt like that would be easier for me to be at the, those crossroads while I was still working and, and teaching. Um, and so I was blessed to to have that opportunity. I do teach in the school district where my children go to school and I was able to bring my youngest two with me to that elementary school. So, you know, they were, they went to work with me. They came home with me. We were, we were together. So I was there to be able to, you know, just kind of have that debriefing time about their day. Um, My oldest two, I actually made them ride the bus to my elementary school because I didn't want them home without, without me. And, yeah, we do leave our children, you know, they babysit, we go on dates, we do all of that kind of thing. But I just I felt like I needed to be there with them when they got home from school. And so they didn't like that too much. They, like I said, they would ride the bus to the elementary school, and they didn't think that was too cool. But yeah, <laughs> no, I'm like, you know, sorry that it, it is what it is. Um, And then shortly after that, my 
the my older girls got jobs there at the school that I work at. They did the after school care, and um, so so that uh, ended up being awesome. Yeah, it w- it was totally awesome. Um, and then the last two years, my son he's been out of elementary school and is at middle school and he actually does ride the bus home but my husband's job is pretty flexible and so my husband's actually here to meet him when he gets off the bus so that's um, so perfect but yeah that was you know that's that's a big deal to me is that one of us is here to greet them at least most days you know there's some days that my husband's stuck with an appointment or stuck yeah. in traffic or something but we're we're making contact with him before he gets home or as he gets home from school so yeah I think that's I think that being at the crosswords the coming and the going mm-hmm. is I I think that's key the kids are more likely to tell you what uh, what happened as soon as they get home than they are a couple hours after they've been home they've moved right. on right they don't remember anything now now right. it's as if they never even attended school today. <laughs> exactly. Right? And, you know, especially with my son, I call him a man of few words. And I hear a lot of boys are like that, that they just don't like to talk about their days. But you can at least get a mood, right? Get a, yes. a little temperature check, even if they don't say a lot. Yep. So. See how hard they put their backpack down. Yes. <laughs> how quickly they go to the fridge to get food and all of those things. Yeah, for Definitely. sure. <laughs> for sure. So your oldest daughter turned 20 like this week, right? Yeah, on Friday. Isn't that crazy? Friday. Oh, she shares birthday with my youngest. Samantha will be 14 on Friday. So, oh, so well, Cardin just turned 14 or turned 20 the past, like on oh, the last tent. Friday. Yeah. Okay, so a week apart. Yeah. All right. So I understand she's been having some health challenges. I wondered if you'd be willing yeah. to kind of talk about how you're navigating that and helping a young adult navigate the oh, health challenges. My goodness. It's every stage of parenting brings <laughs> new, yeah, new opportunities. Yes, that's a good word. New opportunities. <laughs> um, so Cardin, when she was 12 years old, she had Hashimoto's thyroiditis which is an autoimmune disorder that attacks your thyroid and a challenging disease to, to navigate and to work with. Um, at the time we were sent up to Nashville, which is about two hours from where we live to work with a pediatric endocrinologist because they um, having, so she was not producing enough thyroid hormone. And so we had to, monitor and regulate those levels so she could go through puberty and you know just kind of make some of those growth milestones that that you hope your teenagers make you know along the way um and so we would we had regular appointments up in nashville for that um i'll tell you that was challenging in and of itself because with the thyroid medication you have to take it regularly and you have to take it you know on an empty stomach and you can't eat or this or do this within a certain amount of time um and so so that was a a challenging thing to navigate with her because I don't know because she's a 12 year old girl yeah I hope most 12 year olds (laughs) aren't like super on the ball (laughs) because yeah, just trying to keep her on her medication and, and doing all of those things was kind of a challenge. Um, as she got older and graduated from high school and 
aged out of the pediatrics, we switched her over to an endocrinologist here in town that deals with adults. Um, and she, you know, we kind of turned it over to her and just said, you, you've got to, you have to take the medicine, you have to manage it. You know, it, it is, it's part of being an adult and that's what you're wanting to be. And, you know, that's what the next few years are is, is really coming into that role and, um, you know, you, you know, you feel better when you take it and you know, there's lots of unpleasant side effects if you don't take your medicine and stuff. And so she's, she's worked really hard the last couple of years to, to make routines in her life and, and manage that on her own without mom or dad having to kind of stay on her and, and do stuff with her. Um, part of Hashimoto's thyroiditis is that your thyroid functions at different levels at different times and you can have flare-ups and and different things and so she last year they found some nodules which isn't uncommon with Hashimoto's um, but they weren't big enough to biopsy but she did go back a couple months later and have an ultrasound and then um, at that time the nodules looked like they had reduced and then just a couple, I guess about a, a month and a half ago, she got home late um, from hanging out with some friends. And I was actually already in bed and she texted me. Isn't that funny? She didn't come knock yeah. on the door. She texted me. <laughs> and she's like, mom, come out. Are you awake? Come out. <laughs> so, you know, your heart drops at, at 12 o'clock at night when you hear that. And I walked out and her throat was just swollen you could see her thyroid was swollen and then there's a band that kind of wrapped around her throat that was really swollen and so she's actually working on going to nursing school and had some blood work and some things done in preparation for nursing school that she was actually going back to the doctor to talk about the next day so I was just like you know what talk to the doctor show her tell her what's going on and they sent her for an ultrasound and she had a really large nodule on her thyroid that um, looked suspicious. It had, it had some characteristics of something that could be cancerous. Um, and so, yeah, we went and had it biopsied. Um, all this time, her thyroid had swollen up really big, so she wasn't able to swallow. She was on a, a liquid diet for about three weeks. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, yeah, it, it was kind of a it was a challenge and she was scared and um, especially with COVID and everything going on right now. And she has an aunt that is currently battling, battling some cancer, um, which a, a thyroid cancer is, is definitely not a scary cancer in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, you know, it's, it's very much been on our mind with COVID to be very careful around um, this aunt and, um, you know, lots of prayers and thoughts have been going to her. And so I think Cardin just kind of internalized that a little bit more. Yeah. You know, with this, with this scare of cancer. So um, anyway, she, she stopped working for a couple of weeks just because she didn't want to get sick and have to put off different things, you know, yeah. or whatever. And um 
luckily we've we got the results back and and the nodule is benign it it's still growing a little bit but it is benign and um they've got her on some a, a, a new diet and some supplements and stuff that are supposed to help her thyroid shrink back down to more of a normal size which seemed to be working so she's she's eating and drinking normally and um is back at work so you know it it was it was a scare for us but um definitely a, a learning opportunity as well you know we were able to kind of talk with her about these are the things that you need to ask the doctor and and right you know, especially with a, with a 20 year old, the doctors wouldn't talk to me. And I know that's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Yeah. That suddenly you're hard and you're not <laughs> who they talk to. Right. Yeah. And, and there wasn't, it wasn't like I could go to an appointment with her because everything was being handled over the phone. And so a lot of times it was a conversation between her and a doctor that I couldn't hear or be a part of. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, I'm your mom. And so I get, you call me the first information that you get, you know, right. I'm, I'm the one who gets to go. If you have to have surgery, I'm the one who gets to go to the hospital with you. I'm your mom, not, you know, not your boyfriend, not anybody else. It's me. When you yeah. get married, that can change, but, but not yet. <laughs> For the time being, it, I'm the one that. <laughs> it is such a, it's such a, um, it's such a change in the role as they get older and, and even like, obviously society already knows there's a change that she's mm-hmm. 20 years old. She doesn't need her mommy anymore. She can make health decisions by herself and have conversations with doctors. And, and yet it's difficult to be on the, on the sidelines and, and not know how you can help them know what questions to ask. I think that's right. about to be really difficult. Right. Because in and, the moment you think of the question and you would ask it if you were there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes after the fact, when she's telling us what the conversation was or what the decision was made, my husband and I would be like, well, you know, did you think about this or did you ask that? And, and that was a, that was hard. It was hard for all of us because there were maybe some tests run that we wouldn't have done normally, you know, just yeah. knowing as an adult, what questions to ask and is it really worth doing this test and what is it going to show us? You know, those are just things that she didn't know. Um, but my husband is super great about, like I said, he's the teenage dad and um, we've worked hard to try to become more of a coach, you know, yeah. versus versus a parent and develop that level of trust and respect with each other that that we can offer that coaching and, and that advice without, yeah. you know, without being an overbearing parent. <laughs> Which there is a fine line, right? There is, there is. And it's hard. Nobody tells you how hard that's going to be. You know, you think the hard is, is waking up in the middle of the night and potty training and it, that's all of its own kind of hard. But um, yeah, I've come to decide there's no stage in, motherhood and children that that is easy they all have their own blessings and challenges so yeah I totally agree and and like you say it is hard when you're not getting enough sleep and your toilet training and 
you just would like to really watch something besides whatever cartoon is on. But yeah, no, it totally is. hard. It's a different kind of hard. And I guess it's just our opportunity to keep growing. And so just the minute that you think you kind of maybe have got that handled. Well, good luck, because here's a new stage for this child. Yep. <laughs> Learn here. New yeah. challenges for everybody. So, and you know what? I wouldn't go back to those potty training days and sleepless nights. You know, there, right. there's definite advantages. Being able to sleep through the night and, you know, we can just pick up and go on a date without having to worry about babysitters or there's advantages. There's definite advantages. I call it being I, in the asset column. Yes. So when they're little and you have to do everything for them, they're very much in the liability column. But yes. as soon as they can start dressing themselves and feeding themselves, they start to move over and they're fully in the asset column when they can babysit themselves and make their own meal. Then you're oh, like, yes. Yes, you are in the asset <laughs> column because if they can babysit themselves, you can go somewhere without them. And if they can right. make their own meal, they can make you a meal, which is always appreciated. Always so, appreciated. Yeah. My so, youngest yeah. often makes me picnics. Does she? During this quarantine time and during the summer. Yeah. She's like, Mom, we're going to have a picnic. And she just makes a picnic and we go out to the trampoline and eat a picnic. It's, it That's is so great. fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so great yeah I love that definitely in the asset column now definitely. definitely so what encouragement or advice could you give to a mom that is just starting to enter the workforce after being a stay-at-home mom for a number of years um you know what my biggest thing and this is probably kind of going along with the potty training that we talked about earlier my biggest thing is just to give yourself grace and to recognize that you can't do it all and the best that you can do is is enough it is and it the best that you can do is I can guarantee you that it's not going to be what everything that you think you should be doing or everything that um, you want to be doing but yeah if you're doing your best there there is grace that's going to come in and, and take care of the rest of it and make up the difference. So. Oh, I love that. It's a good perspective. That's a hard, yeah. And, and it's a hard lesson to learn and it's hard to, to always keep in mind as well, you know, as um, over the, the last five years, there's been things that have happened and like maybe choices that my children have made or, um, even choices that I've made that I just think, oh, you know, if I didn't have to work, this would be better. I would be a better mom or I would be better at that. And and there's a lot of guilt that I feel um, a lot of times because I, I do give a lot to my students, which is my job. And it's it's also my personality. Um, and I I feel guilty because I think, you know, should that be focused towards my own children? Um, but there, I, I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that I'm supposed to be teaching and I'm doing the best that I can in both of my worlds. And even though it's not perfect and it's not all the way what I want it to be, you know, my husband's there to make up the difference. The Lord's there to make up the difference and, and it'll all be okay. <laughs> cause it's a, cause it's a team effort for sure. And it you is. know, saying like your kids have made some choices that make you wonder if you had not been working, if they, you know, you would have 
they would have just made other dumb choices. Like that's yeah. what kids do, right? That's what they're doing yeah. and they're, they're learning and exploring boundaries and making mistakes. And now's the time to do it. Let's make all the mistakes you need to before you move out. That way you've learned. Right. And then when you're an adult and the mistakes are bigger and the consequences are bigger, you don't need to learn them because you learned them when you were at home as, as a child. Right. So I think um, there are plenty of moms out there. Well, if anyone's being very honest they'd be thinking gosh like I I don't work full-time out of the home I've started to now but I but I haven't for years and um and my kids have made choices I wish they hadn't made and I'm not Mm -hmm. sure that's a 100% reflection on whether I was home or not you know right right well and you've got to yeah you've got to realize that your kids I mean that's why we're here is to make choices and to learn from them and and make better choices and you know that's the hope that we continue to improve and get better and yeah I've I've learned that I can't take that all on myself no no you can just do the best you can and teach them the best way that you yeah. know how and then trust that they'll have other opportunities to learn that of things you couldn't teach them or that they weren't listening to when you did right because right. that's that's how it works for us as adults, right? We are still learning, <laughs> still learning, very, very much so. Yeah, <laughs> that I probably should have learned a long time ago, but you know. <laughs> well, we learn when we're ready for that lesson, right? Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Um, and you know what? One more thing that I've learned, and is, and I, I feel like it kind of goes along the same lines, but to make to make wise sacrifices you know sometimes well in the education world there's kind of this push to do these fun like room transformations where you totally change your whole classroom and you provide this really fun authentic hands-on learning opportunity for your students and you know people have people have good success with that and it's great with rapport with your students and all of that kind of thing um but as a as a mom of four children, I just don't have the time or the energy to do that a lot of times. And it, is it necessary? Probably, probably not. And, and that's not saying that it's bad, but I just think that sometimes there's wise sacrifices and sometimes there's foolish sacrifices. And um, yeah, you got to you know, weigh the outcome. Yeah. And I can mm-hmm. apply that to work and I can also apply that to to my home. You know, there's sometimes that I just I like to spend a lot of time decorating for Christmas and but then there's other times like this past year we didn't decorate at all because we were going the month was super crazy busy we were going to be out of town for Christmas and it just wasn't worth this putting that stress on myself because then I I was going to be ugly to my family to be honest with right. you, you know right. I was going to be so stressed that it just wasn't going to be a pleasant thing for anybody and so to me, that was a foolish sacrifice for this past year. Had I have tried to, you know, decorate the, the house for Christmas like I would every year. But in other years, that's been something that has fed my soul and has, you know, been, been a blessing to us and, and helped us focus on Christ and on, on the reason for the season. And, you know, that's just one small example, but that's something. That's a great example, though. And it- that I've learned, so. Yeah, to and to take um, to take stock in where are we as a family and where am I personally right now in this moment, mm-hmm. and just because we did it that way last year doesn't mean we need to do it that way again this year. 
big or small, right? And take stock each time and then choose what the priorities are and then make Mm -hmm. wise sacrifices for where the time needs to be spent. I think that is really valuable counsel. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for joining me on this conversation, Alicia. I have just really enjoyed our visit. And <laughs> I, I think you have just shared a lot of wonderful thoughts and insights and compassion. And I just super appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I was really nervous, but I, I enjoyed our conversation too. It's Good. Well, <laughs> you're an epic mom. So you just keep doing your thing. Thank you. Didn't you just love my conversation with Alicia Mayfield? I loved all that we talked about, especially about making wise sacrifices. I thought that was such a good way to put it in terms of prioritizing what's most important when you're trying to juggle so many things and also giving yourself grace while you figure it all out. I just think Alicia is such a great example of balancing everything and just learning and growing as she goes. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Make it an epic day. Tune in next week when I visit with my friend Sarah Stevens. She's the mother of six children, most of which are adults now with a few teenagers at home. It's a conversation you won't want to miss.